People are the weakest link in any cybersecurity plan. We're distracted, exhausted, and often unmotivated. It's time to change the approach used to protect our businesses, technology, identity, and data. The human element has to be front and center in a war against data breaches and ransomware attacks. It's time to educate. Welcome to the Human Element Podcast. Visit our website at thehumanelement.net for more content to help you strengthen your awareness of the people problem in cybersecurity. I am Scott Gumbar, owner of Nuage Tech, a client-focused, security-minded, proactive IT service provider. Welcome to episode 11 of the Human Element Podcast. I am Scott Gumbar, your host, and today we're going to talk about an article that came out on June 10th, so we're uh, a couple weeks, uh, well, yeah, about two weeks uh, past the article date, but the information in the article is not really new. I just thought I'd take a moment to highlight how important it is. And this article is on infosecurity-magazine.com. The name of the website is just infosecurity, but it's infosecurity-magazine.com. And this is um, CISA, which is the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency in the United States, outlines outlines bad practices every organization should avoid. So I always talk about the big four in IT, and that is um, not patching or having a patch program, um, weak passwords, uh, re exposed remote desktop protocol, and then my favorite is phishing. And we talk about all of these things because these are the most common ways for attackers to get into an organization or even into a, a personal computer. Um, this particular article, and apparently, you know, the CISA is listing these as the three things that the three bad practices that are causing a lot of breaches, data breaches, and ransomware attacks. So they usually go hand in hand, data breaches and ransomware attack. Um, so there are a few bad IT practices that are dangerous for any organization, and particularly for organizations in critical industries like healthcare. So healthcare is a big target, education, legal, financial. Uh, those are those are some of the bigger target, infra, uh, critical infrastructure. Those are usually the big targets. Now, critical infrastructure is sort of a separate uh topic because they have different systems than all the other ones. Healthcare, legal, financial, education usually have very similar technology in their environment, whereas critical infrastructure has some other things involved. Uh, a lot of um, IoT devices, not that the other, not healthcare definitely has IoT, uh, but more so in the critical infrastructure, things that are sometimes vulnerable that they may not realize. But again, this article or the, the CISA's list of bad practices, and there's three of them, would prevent a lot of the issues that, that are faced by critical infrastructure. At the RCA conference 2022, I said RCA, it's RSA conference 2022, Donald Banak, 
Deputy Associate Director at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, and Joshua Corman, founder of I Am the Calvary, outlined what the U.S. government sees as the three most critical bad practices for IT today. Again, so my four are exposed remote desktop protocol, weak passwords, phishing, and not having a patching program. So let's let's talk about the three that the CISA is saying are the bad practices. First, use of unsupported or end-of-life software. This kind of ties in with patching. There is a, uh, a tendency for businesses to sometimes not move off of older software. So, for example, they may have... I'm dealing with a client now that has Microsoft Office in different for in different stages. So they have Microsoft Office 2010, they have Microsoft Office 2007, and so we're cleaning it out. We're getting rid of all these old Microsoft Offices. And the problem is, not only that does that mean that they haven't updated, which means there's there are vulnerabilities that haven't been addressed. They're exposed, but also that means that they're not getting security updates anymore because those are no longer supported. Uh, I, had, I did not come across any versions of Windows other than Windows 10, nothing older than that, so they're okay there. Um, but I have seen Windows 7 in other environments, and I've uh, had to take it out and either update that machine to Windows 10 or um, replace the machine. And I have seen other cases of software, so now QuickBooks is another example. I see a lot of people with older versions of QuickBooks just worked on somebody's system that had QuickBooks 2014 on it. And again, I get it. You don't want to spend the $350 to update QuickBooks desktop. There there are alternatives. You could go to QuickBooks online. I know they're not the same, and I know that it's a big learning curve from one to the other. Um, And I know $350 could be a lot to spend on software, but the risks that you're taking by not updating because Intuit is no longer providing updates for that software is is far worse than than the $350. Um, and it's not, they support, they typically support QuickBooks for a few years. So it's not like you have to do it every year. Although some, I do know some that do update it every year. Uh, older versions of Windows 10. So Windows 10, I don't know which ones are no longer supported, but I know the 1806, I believe it is, is no longer supported. And I have run into that in the wild. So I've had seen laptops and, and desktops that were running older versions of Windows 10 for various reasons, never updated. Some were issues with the operating system itself, but others were just um, the end user just never pushed, allowed the updates to go through. Uh, typically, they happen semi-automatically, um, depending on settings, but they don't always work and uh, you know that's what ends up happening now you're unsupported and unprotected because security software security updates to Microsoft Windows have not been put in and the same applies to to Apple Macintosh devices to your cell phones iOS and Android to Linux devices all of these systems become vulnerable when security updates are not pushed and when end of life has been reached. So CentOS 7 is no longer supported. I don't think it's supported, uh, which 
I didn't like because I like CentOS 7. So now you, if, you're, if you're not using their newest version of CentOS, which is a rolling version, meaning it updates, uh, they're no longer going to create new, I'm, this is based on what I know, they're no longer going to create new versions and it'll just you just have to push the updates when they're available. So that's the first one, use of unsupported or end-of-life software that kind of ties in with patching. If you're, if you know, essentially, if you haven't patched, you're you're using software that's outdated. Uh, and speaking of which, as I'm recording this, the new Windows updates come out tomorrow. I'm recording this on June 13th. It will not be released for about a week and a half, but June 13th. So tomorrow, the new Windows 10 updates, and usually other vendors fall in line with that. Use of known, fixed, or default credentials. So this is a big one, and I said passwords was one of my top four, and so this is kind of part of it. First of all, if you've been involved in a breach, your account has been compromised, your information is on the dark web. That means your credentials are on the dark web. That means usernames, email accounts, and passwords are on the dark web. And if that information is on the dark web, then it will be used, not can be used, but it will be used to test it against other accounts so if you're you know let's say the the parking app i forget the name of it but the, there was a parking app that was uh compromised last year and i think it was park mobile and they had their the credentials were stolen so usernames and passwords so if you use that same username and password now on your chase bake account you're now at risk because they're going to test it eventually it will happen if it hasn't already um you know they could be getting into your Social media accounts, email accounts, work accounts, bank accounts, financial accounts, healthcare accounts, all of these accounts are at risk now because you left that out there and didn't change the password anywhere else. Um, the article also says not to reuse known, fixed, or default credentials. So reusing a account passwords should be included in that. So you should not have the same password across multiple accounts shouldn't should never happen that way um, using a password manager will help you uh, with that issue so i know it's difficult we probably most of us probably have dozens of logins and you're not going to remember all of the passwords for all of those accounts unless you use some type of pattern which is also frowned upon or you use the same password across all all those accounts so then what do you do? You use a password manager. That's the simple solution. Don't create a spreadsheet and store it on your computer or keep it in a Word document. Or uh, I've I've had IT people say use a, a notepad and carry that notepad around with you. Well, what happens if you drop it? Then all those passwords are gone, and somebody else is going to pick it up and and use them in whatever uh, application they're being used in. Fixed passwords. Uh, this is more of a programming thing. If you're using fixed passwords. In other words, you write code, you put username and password within that code as a fixed password, so it's there sort of in plain text. Uh, that's very dangerous, extremely dangerous, and it's and it's it's occurred in the past and has been used in attacks in the past. Do not fix a password in an application. The uh, code, and I'm not by any stretch a coder, but the code should be... Um, dynamic and it should pull from a database when it's when it's needed uh should not be any fixed passwords in any code anywhere and then the default passwords you per this happens a lot with printers but also happens with routers and other things but i cannot tell you 99 percent of the time if i go into a new client 
and they say, well, they have printer issues. Um, you know, sometimes they have a managed print provider, sometimes they don't. The printer almost always has the default username and password on it. This is dangerous. This is a way into your network. This is a way to expose your business to potential breach. Um, remove default credentials from any device on your network or any device, period. Routers, printers, uh, all of those things, networking gear, all of them need the default username and password removed immediately. Do not use the default username. Whatever device you have, whatever you, you've purchased and placed in your network should not have a default username and password. And then the third bad practice is use of single factor authentication for remote or administrative access. This should be for everything. Do not just use single factor. And single factor means username and password. That's what it is. So when you log into something, you're just putting in your username and your password. This is very bad practice. Uh, eventually, passwords will go away. There's some sites are starting to move away from it now. Microsoft is moving away from it. Other companies are moving away from it, you know, enterprise-type businesses. Eventually, that will become the norm. There will be no more passwords. Um, but not including multi-factor authentication, and I would say at bare minimum text, but even that is not secure. Uh, I would go as far as uh, uh, an application on your phone that generates codes, um, two-factor authentication app like Google, Microsoft, or Authy. Uh, or uh, even further, you can use something like a YubiKey. Uh, a lot of applications don't use those yet, although I'm, I would imagine as we continue to move forward, more and more applications will. And so I use a YubiKey for the applications that do work. For example, LastPass. And what happens is when I try to log into LastPass now, instead of asking me to verify a code or send a text message, um, I have a thumb key, a USB key that I plug into my computer and then touch touch it with my uh, finger, and that logs in. That's how the that's the second factor authentication. The benefit to that is there's no way to intercept it. You'd have to physically have access to it in order to intercept it. And so I know where my YubiKey is because it's always with me and you're not going to get access to it without physically taking it from me. So that's the, the two-factor authentication piece. So now you have, so the three again that, that CISA has said are bad practices, use of unsupported or end-of-life software. We talked about that. There are, this doesn't really happen a lot with Microsoft Windows or Apple Mac anymore, although it still does happen. It's not as common. So Windows 10 end of life is October of 2025. So we have you know a little more than three years, almost three and a half years before that happens. There are certain versions of Windows 10 that are no longer supported. Earlier versions, 18 I don't know 1806 or 1809, something like that, is no longer supported. And maybe 1909, I'm not sure if if that's reached end of life off the top of my head. Where this is really becoming a problem is with VPN software and firewalls and things like that. And we see it all the time. We see, you know, you get a list of the top 10 most used vulnerabilities in attacks. And like half of them are three, four, five years old. And they're usually something like a VPN or a firewall or something like that. That's the, or Microsoft Office. There are a few Microsoft Office ones that are still out there in the wild. And people are using the, the known vulnerability to attack it. Uh, right now we have the... Uh, Folina vulnerability, which is uh, 
really quickly, Microsoft of, of vulnerability in Microsoft Word, where if you get a rich text format, RTF, dot, uh, RTF formatted document, you could potentially be at risk because there is still no patch for it as of right as of this recording. I think it'll be released this week, um, the week of this recording, and it's already being exploited. So it's being exploited by Russia and Ukraine. It's being exploited all around the world to to attack people that have not taken mitigation steps. And it does work through phishing. You have to be phished for it to work properly, for the vulnerability to work. So not having that level of I know what a phishing email looks like and I know how to recognize it or having zero trust installed and all those things, that's that's uh, making it a risky endeavor. But this is a newly discovered zero day and therefore you know, it's, it's reasonable that nobody has a patch yet. There is no patch. However, when you have something that's three, four, five, six years old that hasn't been patched yet or you're using you know, a Microsoft Office version that's been... Uh, unsupported for many years, so in one case, 10 years, then that's a problem. You know, you're exposing your everything, all your data, all your business, everything. So use of unsupported or end-of-life software, use of known fixed default credentials. We've talked about that quite a bit, but use unique, strong passwords, meaning 20, I usually do 20 characters or more, uppercase, lowercase numbers, and letters, Alpha, I'm sorry, yeah, numbers, letters, alphanumeric, special characters as well. At least 20 characters and just just random passwords. I don't, there's no pattern to my passwords at all other than they're random. And I never reuse a password. And I always remove default credentials, no matter what it is. No matter what that device is, get rid of the default credentials. I have a desk phone here. I remove the default credentials. And then using only single factor authentication. You don't have a second factor of authentication set up. You're a walking risk factor right now. And I would tell you that is probably the quickest fix in the one that gets ignored. Still gets ignored quite a bit in the wild. And again, all of these things, all three of these things. So how, how does this tie into the human element? Use of unsupported or end-of-life software, trying to save money. Or we're comfortable with it because it's we're familiar with it. There is a big significance between Office 2010 and Office 2022. 22 or 21. I don't remember which one it is, but the newest version. So there is a big difference. Uh, use of known fixed or default credentials. This is just human human nature. We want it to be easy. We don't want to have to have different passwords for everything, or we want it to be easy to remember. So if I have, you know, my password is password.facebook, password.linkedin, password.twitter, uh, password.bank account. That's easy for me to remember. We don't want to do that. That's bad news. We don't want to, we don't want things to be complex. In reality, though, using a password manager is easier. Using LastPass is so much easier. And then using single-factor authentication. I have talked to people in the financial world, in the legal world, that don't want to use multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication, because it's extra work for them to have to sign in. It's too much work. Yeah, I know sometimes I get frustrated because I got to look for the the token, the, the YubiKey, or I have to look for my phone and unlock my phone and go to the app Sometimes it's annoying, but you know what's more annoying? Being compromised, having my account taken over by someone. So human nature, human element, we want things to be easy. We don't want to have to be disrupted from our normal activities. Um, but I could promise you one thing, a ransomware attack or a data breach will disrupt you from your normal activities far more uh, 
damaging than any two-factor authentication or complex password policy or removing unsupported devices from your from your environment so until next time stay secure